if you're getting chronic thrush, whether it's vaginally, orally, nipples, anywhere, skin, the only thing that helped me get rid of it was by changing my diet and changing my lifestyle because no amount of medication will get to the root cause. You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. You're tuning in to episode 194 of the Well Woman podcast. Thank you for being here and tuning in. We are chatting all about a very important topic today that's not often spoken about, and that's thrush. Chatting all about preventing and healing thrush and how we can actually stop it from occurring in the future altogether. On the show today, I'm joined by the Yoni nutritionist, Adrienne Ramel. Now, she's been on the show a couple of times. If you haven't already tuned into her previous episodes, you'll find her at episode 138 and 158. We've chatted about bacterial vaginosis, yeast infections, and herpes before on those two episodes. But I've asked Adrienne to come back because she's a certified holistic nutritionist and women's health coach. She helps women eliminate signs of chronic vaginal infections like yeast infections, candida, bacterial vaginosis, HPV, herpes, and UTIs. She personally has struggled with her own vaginal health issues in the past, and that impacted her sexual activity, her life, and everything that went on. But she discovered diet and lifestyle and how that can support healing yeast and candida and thrush infections. And so today she's chatting with us about exactly that. In this episode, we dive into like what actually is thrush, Why do we get thrush in the first place and what causes it? We talk about the difference between candida and thrush and then how nutrition can play a really big role in understanding thrush and healing your thrush. Nutrition for thrush, sugar, and we wrap it up by talking about our pre-bleed signs of thrush. Yes, that inner autumn time that your little thrush can pop up unexpectedly and all the things you can do to actually support it. So stick around for that. We talk exactly about the top tips you need to address thrush immediately if you've got it right now. Hello, beautiful woman. Hello. Hi there. Welcome to the show again. This is your third flying visit. I'm very excited that you're here. (laughs) I'm excited to be here again. Now, before we jump into it, because we've just been ranting and chatting before we hit record for like 40 minutes, tell us what day of your cycle are you on and how are you checking in at this moment? How are you feeling today? I am on day 21 of my cycle and I am feeling... (laughs) definite PMS. The past few days, especially just irritability, just like an, just tired, sore boobs, acne, just all of the PMS, irritability. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those pre-mums on. Oh yeah. And I'm like, I'm feeling a bit of an energetic, almost not quite a burnout, but energetically tired. So I'm really trying to take it easy today and just slow down a little bit today. Mm. I'm proud of you for honoring yourself. <laughs> this kind Thank of you. like a good word that I like at this time is like, oh, it feels like a lull. I'm going through an energetic lull, you know, as opposed to being like, oh my God, I'm so down right now. I, th- I feel like the word lull is like, oh, it's just a little lull and it will come back a little bit. 
Um, but it's a great time to be talking about thrush today oh, and yeah. pre-menstrual yoni, <laughs> yoni health. Let's talk about that. Before we do, though, you have been on the podcast twice before. People haven't already listened to those episodes. You can tune into episode 138, which is all about bacterial vaginosis and yeast infections. And then we spoke about herpes and everything you need to know about herpes on episode 158. So 138 and 158. But quickly tell us, Adrian, tell us who are you and why are you known as the Yoni Nutritionist? How did you get into being a Yoni Nutritionist? Oh, well, I'm so glad we're talking about thrush today because I have struggled with vaginal and oral yeast infections for my entire sexually active adult life. And that started when I was like 15 and a half. And it's just been one thing after the other, after the other for me, yeast infections, chronic yeast infections, BV, UTIs, candida overgrowth, genital herpes and HPV, like all of the things I've had. And there was one point where I needed a new vagina. Like I just wanted a new vagina. I was just so... Can we like, get a transplant? <laughs> yeah. Can I get a vaginal transplant? It was so bad because... I have been through it, like recurring herpes outbreaks for three years, genital herpes, like candida overgrowth where I was getting yeast infections once a month. I'm just, it's just been a real nightmare. And of course, you know, when you, when you're getting these infections, anybody who gets chronically ill, really the only solution that we have is to go to a doctor or that we know and that we've been brought up, you know, knowing is going to the doctor, getting the medication, treating the symptoms, which of course we need. But what happens when these symptoms keep coming back? And that's what was happening with me. And the candida overgrowth was kind of my peak time where I was like, what the hell? Okay, I can't, something is wrong. So I was getting, for anybody who doesn't know what candida overgrowth is, it's a fungal overgrowth that starts in your gut. Everybody has candida. And it's responsible for nutrient absorption and digestion and all kinds of healthy functions in the gut. But when it overgrows, it becomes a problem. And I was getting symptoms like recurring vaginal yeast infections, cystic acne, um, inflammation. I had this crazy sinus infection that wouldn't go away. I was getting like brain fog to the point where I couldn't remember things that were that happened yesterday. Like I was chronically tired, but I slept all the time. It was just really something was wrong. And I kept going to my doctor. They kept giving me medication, but I'm like, there's something wrong, something. And they're like, well, we don't know what it is, of course. So it wasn't until I finally started to just figure it out on my own that I realized I have candida overgrowth. I did a candida elimination diet. It worked within six weeks. I felt back to normal again. And that's when my ding, ding, ding light bulb moment went off. And I was like, holy fuck. Why isn't anybody talking about this? So I quit my whole corporate career, put myself back into school to study holistic nutrition. And I'm also a yoga teacher as well. So I started really going on to the, into the holistic field. And, um, and so that I could help other women that were going through this too. And when I started talking about candida, yeast infections, BV, herpes, HPV, all of those things on, you know, when I first started the Yoni Nutritionist, when I, started seeing how many people were coming to me being like, oh my God, me too. Oh my God, me too. I need your help. I was just like, what? Because I felt so alone going through my, my chronic 
issues, which impacted the quality of my life so much. Like I just woke up in the morning and all I thought about was my vagina. It affected my relationship. It affected my self-confidence and self-worth. And it just took such a huge toll on my life. And nobody really understood what I was going through at that time. Um, so yeah, that's in a nutshell how I started the Yoni Nutritionist. And here you are talking about the Yoni every single day. It's, yeah. Um, you're spot on. It is such a topic that can feel so lonely and undiscussed and untalked about. It's not like you gather with your girlfriends and be like, hey, what does your Yoni smell like? And yeah. like, I get this funny feeling down there. It's not, um, it's definitely not a topic of dinner table conversation, but let's make it, let's make it a dinner table conversation. So we are going to be talking about thrush and we haven't chatted about that yet. And I feel like thrush is something that many of us actually experience. I will never forget my like worst thrush outbreak. <laughs> it was actually when I traveled to the States, I was flying into, um, America from Australia and I had started menstruating. So I'd put in my menstrual cup and, you know, that's a long flight. It's a 14 hour flight on its own, let alone, you know, there's no stops and, um, you know, changing a menstrual cup in the shower and all these things. And anyway, I ended up getting a yeast infection and then my menstruation stopped, which was totally bizarre. And then I had this chronic yeast infection for like six, seven days. So bad that like I'd go hiking without underwear on with like a sarong wrapped around me so I could air my yoni out in nature. And um, I was alone traveling as I was like, felt I was like, oh my God, why is like, why is this happening to me? So let's talk about what the fuck is thrush and why do we get this? Well, there's a couple of different reasons. And thrush is such a pain in the ass. It is so horrible. And for anybody who has experienced it, you'll know what I mean. But for anybody, there's lots of people who still haven't experienced a yeast infection. And that is characterized by symptoms like vaginal itching, but like you want to get a toothbrush and like jab it up your vagina because it's like itchy <laughs> on the inside, up inside, burning. Um, it's often characterized by cottage cheesy discharge that doesn't really smell. It, it kind of smells like sourdough bread. You know, it's yeast. Mm -hmm. um, and it is caused by a couple of different things. But like I was telling you about candida, candida, everybody has candida in their gut. And it's a it's a fungus. It's from the species called candida albicans. And there's about 40 different species of candida albicans. And normally they live happily and harmoniously in the gut doing all kinds of beneficial functions. And what happens um, when you get a yeast infection, especially if you're getting chronic yeast infections, usually, and chronic meaning four or more a year, that's how I categorize it. It's usually caused by an overgrowth of this candida fungus. But a lot of people can get yeast infections like here and there. That's not necessarily chronic, but they can be caused from sex um, and vaginal tearing is usually the culprit of that. So when you're having sex and your the skin in your vagina tears, it's more susceptible to getting bacteria because there's a lube up people. Lube up. Exactly. Lube up. Drink your water. Drink the, <laughs> the water. Um, you know, it can also be you can also get yeast infections by drinking your diet. If your diet is high in sugar, if you're drinking a lot of alcohol, 
Um, if you're doing recreational drugs, stress is a huge trigger of yeast infections as well, especially chronic yeast infections. Um, improper sexual hygiene practices. And what I mean by that is like, you're not seeding your sex toys properly. Um, you know, you're wiping front to back and you're mixing the bacterias, but also your period in the luteal phase, a lot of women and people who bleed get yeast or even BV infections. It's very common to get it right before your period starts or even during, which is like a double whammy of hell or after. Mm. You can also get like, if you leave a tampon up or your menstrual cup up there too long, you know, that can also like trigger. at that time. Yeah. <laughs> and it really is um, a bacterial microbiome imbalance and maybe even a little bit of a pH balance. And when we're talking, when we're looking at yeast infections versus BV infections, BV is also a microbiome imbalance, but it's more of a pH imbalance. Whereas a, a thrush or a vaginal yeast infection is usually a bacterial imbalance. And you can also get fungal infections or you can, um, on your skin, you can get it in your nails and on your feet. It's also known as athlete's foot. Um, it's very common. You can also get oral thrush, which is basically a yeast infection inside your mouth. That's also very common. And a lot of people can get thrush on their skin. So like mold kind of like reactions on their skin, it's kind of characterized by like spotty discoloration on your skin or even like um, fungal acne. Mm. There's all kinds of different signs of um, thrush on your body. And it's usually vaginally, on your feet, on your skin, and in your mouth. Mm. And that can get it too, right? People with penises. People with penises can get thrush as well. And you can transfer thrush back and forth to your partner, even though it's not classified as an STI. Yeah, because it, yeah. Well, it's the same as like, even though me having a throat infection, kissing my partner and then him getting the throat infection, like you can pass things across even if it's not an STI. So yeah, you're spot on. Yeah, there's so much that goes into it. And I think one of the the contributors from what I understand in women's health and, and yoni health is a lot of women think, well, I've got to wash my body. And men wash, you know, their body, all of their body from their sack to the cock with soap. But I'm like, the, uh, the, the, the women's parts are a little bit different to that. And I think that, you know, when I had that thrush that I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I was just like, okay, I just want warm water and cold water. And at worst, I'd put a little bit of bicarb soda in my hand because I always travel with a tiny jar of bicarb soda. If you don't know that travel tip, it's like the most important thing because bicarb can be used for like a thousand things. And, um, you know, I would just put a little bit of bicarb in my hand and I would add warm water and make it at a very light kind of paste, not that it's pasty. And I would dab it on the outside of my yoni. And like that felt really nice as well. But lots of people soap up their yonis and they don't realize that what you're using in your hair products, like your shampoo, your conditioner, your body wash, like it has to wash down <laughs> your body and it definitely scoops over the yoni. So does that contribute to, to thrush? Definitely. Fragrances. Your yoni does not like fragrances, artificial fragrances, even some natural fragrances too your yoni doesn't like um tight clothing as well is something that's 
also big, especially if it's synthetic fibers. So you want to have something that is breathable, like cotton and and loose as much as possible. Cotton underwear is so key. And also sitting in wet clothing, whether it be a wet bathing suit or sweaty gym stuff, all of these things can create a really nice, damp, moist, and warm environment, which fungus and yeast thrive in. Yeah. I was I was just going to say, what about wet swimmers? Because something that I'm renowned for, you know, living on the Gold Coast in Australia, I live a few hundred meters from the beach. I walk down to the beach. I swim most days. I come home in my bikini and I'm wet. I have my sarong wrapped around. And I'm like, oh, I'll just water the garden. And then that watering of the garden turns into like pulling the garden apart and then replanting things. And then I'm like, holy shit, there goes four hours. And I'm still <laughs> here at my damp swimmers. And um, I'm very conscious now of, okay, I get home. I always have a little wash in the shower, even if that means going outside with the garden hose because I don't want to have a full shower and I'm going to be outside gardening. I will literally just wash my yoni, dry it off, and then put on some cotton underwear and um, or clean swimmers that are dry because it's the little things like that that really contribute. So how do we? how can we tell if we have thrush? And what is the difference between candida and thrush? Because a lot of people are like, do I have thrush or do I have a candida? Is this candida? I'm not really sure, but it feels like thrush. thrush. Well, like I said before, usually candida, and it's more so candida overgrowth, is when you're getting these infections chronically. When they keep coming back, even after you're treating them with medication or however you decide to treat them, and they just keep coming back. And that's like, to me, I'd say chronic is about four or more a year. If you're getting them like once a month, once every couple months, and then like just regularly, or if you always have like low-key symptoms of a yeast infection, that's really where candida shines. (laughs) That's how you know that it's candida. If you're just getting a thrush or yeast infection once in a while, it's like I was saying, it's like, red and burning and angry and itchy and um it burns when you pee it's really 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 itchy you get dis- discharge that's typically white cottage cheesy smells like sourdough bread um all that those symptoms are typical of a vaginal yeast infection mm, and everyone who's listening to this if you're not already tracking your cycle, please start tracking your cycle and write this on your cycle tracker so that you can see if there's a, a connection with like a particular time of your cycle that this actually pops up into your life. If it's connected with stress or life events that are going on, let's just say you're a student and you're studying and you're going through like super late nights for a period of time, maybe it's seven days. And then all of a sudden you're like, shit, now I've got a thrush infection. Um, put okay. it all on your cycle tracker. If you're not already, write it down. But great your diet too. Yeah. My diet too is so huge. Let's like talk about sugar. that. Sugar is the biggest trigger of yeast infections because sugar is candida's favorite food. The bacteria and the fungus and the yeast feeds off of sugar. So a lot of people tell me they get like they had, you know, a weekend with lots of cocktails or a birthday cake or something like that, and then bam, yeast infection. Inflammation is also really important because that can trigger yeast infections as well. And that's also where diet is important because not only is sugar an inflammatory food, but gluten and dairy are as well. Um, 
a lot of people are like, well, yeah, but yogurt is really good, right? And I'm like, it has these probiotics, right? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but yogurt is no, not good. And so except good. it has like the shitty fake strawberry sauce through it and then the mango sauce like that's not yogurt like when people say oh yogurt's really good that we're talking about like authentically made pot set yogurt that has three to four ingredients and that's it is that what you're saying is that what you're saying and that's not a lot I'm, well that kind of yogurt i'm saying no yogurt because <laughs> no dairy you don't want to eat dairy because dairy is an inflammatory food for a lot of people. Like you think about sometimes when you eat dairy, you get really congested and you get like a frog in your throat. That's your body's, yeah, that's your body, exactly. Kaffas, that's your body's inflammatory response. Mm -hmm. Um, And gluten too is often a trigger for a lot of people with like digestive issues, like irritable bowel syndrome, inflammatory bowel disease, all of those things like, Gluten, dairy, sugar are the worst things, and they can often trigger yeast infections, especially if you're eating them a lot. Totally. And in excess. Yeah. yeah. Like excess. And a lot of people do consume those three main types of nutrients, foods, dairy, gluten, and processed refined style sugars in all their meals. And they don't even realize. And that's, I think, because a lot of us are very unaware of what's actually in the ingredients of the food that we're purchasing. And therefore, we don't actually really know what we're putting in our mouth. And I think, you know, food can be perceived as healthy and it can look like it's healthy packaging. But is it really? And that's when you really need to look at the ingredient list. And I love that you mentioned that about gluten and dairy. But let's just like have a little side note here that not everybody will agree with that. And I think the best thing is come to your own conclusions based on your own experience. If you have consistent thrush outbreaks or candida outbreaks and you feel like you do consume dairy and gluten on a regular basis, why don't you explore reducing it and cutting it out and see if that contributes to less of an outbreak and maybe a healthier yoni? What are your thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. Totally. Like I, and what I hear a lot from my clients and I experienced this, this as well, when I was going through the can- peak of the candida overgrowth, my ex said to me, do you ever think it's your diet? And I was in denial because I was like, nah, there's no way. Denial. Like, I eat healthy. Yeah. I was like, I eat healthy. And no, I, and I don't want to change my diet because I don't want to change my habits and I don't want to be restricted and I don't want to change the way that I eat. And I also don't believe that it works, blah, blah, blah. I didn't believe it. <laughs> And then when I actually did the, when I was at the point of desperation and I was like, fuck it, I will do anything, even if it's diet. Okay. When I did it and it worked within like a very short period of time, I was like, oh, 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 I was feeding, like I was eating all of the things, gluten, dairy, sugar. Like I was eating so much of it at the time I lived in Switzerland. So of course, you know, like. I was eating all the cheese, all the bread, drinking all the beer and the wine. Like, oh my God, I was feeding it. Um, And a lot of people, you know, struggle with eating and their relationship with food and struggle with their eating habits and not wanting to feel restricted. And I totally understand that. As a foodie, as somebody who loves to eat and drink, I know how hard it is. But for me at that time, it was worth it because my vaginal health was more important. Mm. And when you're struggling with these chronic issues, like it, if you think about 
if diet is the only thing that you have to change, that seems to me, that's easy for a lot of people, though. I know it's not, but that's why you have people like us who can help. Supporters. It's also a lot of people, I find that one of the biggest objections with a health journey is the cost. Oh, I can't do that. It costs too much. Or it's, you're already eating food and eating healthy does not need to be expensive. You know, it does not need to be expensive. And I reckon a lot of people who, let's just say they have that lifestyle of, you know, eating, eating out, drinking some drinks, making some food at home, purchasing ingredients or um, produce at the store is that it's just a redirection of spending. It's not like, okay, I need to spend an extra $200 a week now at the, at the supermarket or at the grocer. It's more like, okay, how can I take one thing out and change it up? And mm-hmm. staggered changing is really important and it's never forever. It's just for right now. And only mm-hmm. you, like I said, come to your own conclusion based on your own experience. You have to give it a go first to see if it works for you. And I always like to think too that, what we put in is a direct reflection of what we see. So if your hair health isn't very good, it's because of something that's going on with what you're supplying your body. If your skin health is not fantastic, it's a direct reflection of something that's going on inside your body. The same with weight, same can be said for like you mentioned, like candida spots on your skin. Same can be said for oral health, for everything. So why would your yoni be any different? Exactly. And it's like, what is it costing you in other ways, your mental health, your sanity, your relationships, your self-confidence, the the trips to the doctor's office to get diagnosed and confirm it's a yeast infection only to have to take medication again. Like how much is that costing? Mm. It's, you know, what what is more important to you, the 200 extra bucks that you might have to spend to get the guidance to figure out, you know, how to eat healthy or the fucking, you know, the... Yeah. And, or the debilitating stress you're experiencing because you just can't, you don't know how to get these things under control. Another thing that I should mention too, is often, um, pregnant women get, can often get, um, mastitis infections, no yeast infections on their nipples. And then the baby can transfer, can get it orally. So then you keep transferring it from nipple to to a baby's oral like like thrush a lot of babies get yeast infections too wow i never even yeah that. yeah so it's really it's a really interesting thing and i think the biggest take-home point here is that thrush is experienced let's normalize the conversations ask and talk to your friends about it you know what do you do or do you experience this um you're not alone i think like you saying you felt so alone like you're just not alone like this happens to so many other people and it's all easily you know adaptable and changeable by lifestyle mm-hmm. yeah by your totally. lifestyle so it's great and empowering knowledge to know that hang on i can create change with this and i can create more balance and so what can we do what can you do to do that for yourself so i have i want to ask you about premenstrual thrush and yeast and all that stuff but before we do I will, this is what I wish I had have known when I was younger is when the morning that you wake up and you're like, holy fuck, I'm so itchy. Oh my God, this is so irritating. And it's like, oh, yuck, there's all this stuff in my undie now too. And oh my God, does it smell? Like, can anyone else smell that? Or is that just me? 
what's the first thing to do? Like, what are the five things that you can do straight away when you notice that you might have thrush? Mm. I like to take um, some drops of tea tree oil on a cotton pad and give my yoni a wipe. Oh, you have to be great. Yeah, it's like a nice little refresher. And tea tree is a natural antibacterial, antifungal. Um, it's a little bit strong, so you have to be careful. My yoni's used to it by now, but some people might have to mix in a carrier oil, like olive oil or coconut oil. Um, a sitz bath, so I like to do that. Sitz bath is also nice with some Epsom salts, some so- baking soda, some um, maybe some lavender oil and some apple cider vinegar. I like to drink uh, a cap full of apple cider vinegar in warm water every morning. I like to take a couple of drops of oil of oregano as well. That's a natural antifungal, antibacterial, and um, I take a probiotic and just get your diet solid on track. Mm. And I before before we talk about the period um, and yeast stuff, I think it's also important to note that more some people are more yeasty than others. It's not not everybody. Ha- has and experiences yeast infections and candida overgrowth and it's you know it's unfortunate it's unfair (laughs) because some people can eat whatever they want do whatever they want and never have a vaginal infection but some people breathe and they get a yeast infection and most commonly you know candida overgrowth and yeast infections stem from the gut and if you were ever on long-term antibiotics long-term oral birth control hormonal birth control long-term chronic periods of stress, long-term medication, you know, your diet was high in carbohydrates and refined sugars like mine was growing up. If you have done a lot of surgeries and like your immune system is weakened and, you know, if you're taking a lot of steroids as well, a lot of people have to take inhalers for asthma, um, which has a lot of steroids, topical steroids, stuff like that. All of these things over time, even when you're a kid, can start throwing off your gut health over time and then suddenly yet you get something triggers the candida and that's usually when how it comes up and again some people are just unlucky because we've dealt with all this shit in the the past (laughs) yeah your history really contributes to your present and when it comes to your health so like what you're doing right now contributes to your health in like two months time, two years time, two decades time. And Mm -hmm. when I studied, um, I wrote a whole book on gluten actually years ago um, when I worked in the nutrition world and gluten's impact on the gut can be felt in seven to 10 years in the future. So it's not just today when people go, oh my God, all of a sudden I just can't eat gluten anymore. It's been, it's been slowly building up over time. And then this is the, that was just the tipping point. So really great tips. Let's go back to just recapping them. Some tea tree oil with a carrier. Oh yeah. On your yoni. Love that. An Epsom salt bath. Mm -hmm. The sits bath. Yeah. yeah, With the baking soda. Baking soda. Baking soda. Apple cider vinegar. Yep. And lavender oil. Lavender, great. Or maybe even you want to get fancy, you could put some fresh lavender in your bath. Oh, Um, yeah. If you, okay, apple cider vinegar, a shot of apple cider vinegar with a little bit. A cap full. A cap full. Yeah. (laughs) Some people show glasses. So a (laughs) cap full, good note. Um, And then what was the next one? Uh, Oil of oregano. 
yes, they're all great. Drops. Um, those are uh, those are so horrible, but they work. Anti- <laughs> antifungal, though, very antifungal and probiotic. Probiotic. Okay, great. All super simple things you can do immediately when you go. Oh my god, I've got a thrush infection. I can I add to the list? Yeah. So immediately I'm like change my undies and I'm going to wash all of my undies and I'm going to make sure that I'm wearing cotton breathable or organic um, bamboo thread or something like that's really breathable, remove synthetic. If possible, I'm like, I'm going to free ball. Not that we have balls, but we have gonads. So I'm going to free Yoni. And mm-hmm. I'm going to also make sure that I'm changing. If I go to the gym or I go to yoga, or I'm going to change my clothing and not keep it locked up. Free the yoni. They're the other things I would add to that list. Yeah, air for out because, you know, yeast and mold and fungus, because they're all in the same family, they thrive in a warm, damp, dark environment. And if you can just keep it dry, aside from, you know, having a shower, doing your sits bath, it's more, it's better. It's ideal. Mm. Okay, great. Good tips. So everyone yeah. written those down, save them for your future notes. This episode is proudly sponsored by the Yoni Pleasure Palace. You see, mess is an unavoidable part of sex and self-pleasure. However, not all of us like sleeping in a big wet patch. Am I right? So if your sex cell is just not cutting up, fear not. The Yoni Pleasure Palace has created the leak-proof splash blanket. Yes, it's also affectionately known as the squirt blanket. You see, squirt blankets are 100% waterproof and oh so ridiculously cozy. With a luxurious velvet texture, the blankets are vegan, lightweight, double-sided, and can hold up to a liter of liquid. These blankets not only protect your beds, but also eco-mattresses, couch covers, car seats, tents, from your juicy gushes. They also give you peace of mind and ability to fully relax during intimacy and to let the floodgates open. Founder of Yoni Pleasure Palace, Rosie Rees, says that these blankets are a psychological sex toy. When women feel more comfortable to let go during sex or self-pleasure, they naturally become more orgasmic and sexually expressive. So head over to yonipleasurepalace.com to learn more and use the code GEMMA10 to save 10% off. Right, let's talk about the topic uh, before we wrap up. In autumn, that pre-menstrual time, we have some big hormonal changes going on. We've ovulated, and then after we've ovulated, our body's producing some more progesterone, slight amount of estrogen, and then it starts dropping. And naturally, our cervix closes after ovulation, and then it opens after ovulation, and we have what's called a cervical plug dissolving. And that's why sometimes we can feel a bit wet or creamy sometimes before we menstruate. But then that might turn into something, or not that it turns into an infection, but an infection might be present or we might experience more thrush or uncomfortability in the yoni. Why does that happen premenstrual? Why? Well, I think you might know more about this than me when it comes to the hormonal changes that are going on in the body. But anything estrogen, also estrogen dominance related is definitely more prone to anything yeast infections. Um, but I like the hormonal changes that are going on in the body between ovulation and menstruation can cause also a lot of stress in the body. There's a lot of different responses going on in the body, immune responses, inflammation responses. You know, we have these premenstrual cravings and quite often we want, I'm going through it right now. (laughs) Like we want ice cream. We want the chocolate, we want the chips, we want all the the things that 
can trigger these yeast infections. Um, there's also lots of things that you can do instead. Like today, I was like, oh my God, I would die for some ice cream, but I'm going to make myself some sweet potatoes instead. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, the hormonal changes that are going on in that particular phase is can really cause a lot of havoc inside your vagina. Mm-hmm. BV infections, yeast infections, genital herpes outbreaks, all kinds of things. But yeast infections in particular... Do you like what's what are the hormonal changes specifically that are going on in that phase? So thanks for asking me a question on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hang on, who's interviewing Kiri here? Uh, <laughs> that's so, it's good for me to know too, because I always get a little confused with the exact hormonal yeah, let's, let's talk about process it. and response. So we have four main cycle hormones related to your menstrual cycle. In the inner autumn phase of our cycle after ovulation, now Ovulation can occur at different times for everybody. It might be on day 20 for someone. If they have a 35-day cycle, it might be on day 11 or day 13. So I'm not going to say what day these cycle um, hormones change because it's different for everybody. But after we've ovulated, roughly like five to seven days later, we're going to have a bit more of a peak of progesterone. And at the same time, we're going to have a little increase in estrogen. So when that happens, they peak. And the reason why your progesterone is peaking is the, the body's like, oh, okay, are we pregnant? Like, let's keep producing this, you know, progesterone to p- contribute to the uterine lining. And then after the body's like, oh, actually, we're not pregnant at all. The p- hormones no longer need to produce. And that's roughly like 10 days after um, ovulation. And then they start to drop and plummet. And I call that the until you menstruate. So there's a really big, in- there's an increase and then there's a decrease. And that's the only main increase of progesterone in the cycle. So what's happening there is if you've had excess estrogen produced in your body. So I like to think about it like this. You bake a cake and then you eat the whole cake, ideally not in one sitting, but you bake a cake and you eat a cake. But if you just keep baking a cake and every time you eat, you have a baked cake, you only eat like half of it or a quarter of it, you're going to have an excess amount of cake. Does that make sense? So with Mm -hmm. estrogen, the body can keep producing estrogen for your cycle in the right quantity. But if you have estrogen contributing factors in your life, um, if you have like plastics or even the estrogen in receipts from the supermarket or the grocery store or any kind of store, you might have estrogen um, inhibitors in your skincare or your home care or like they're everywhere in plastics Mm -hmm. from the drinking or food storage, all of that contributes to other estrogen in your body. Now that's when your estrogen, sorry, your endocrine system connects with your detoxification system and your liver needs to help detox the excess estrogen. So if you have too much estrogen in your cycle, then that, like, like you mentioned with thrush and yeast infections, like that could potentially be maybe the body's like, hey, we'll try detoxing it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also just important to understand that at that time of your cycle, we want to eat all the things. And that's when we're like, ah, fuck it. I'm just going to eat that blah, blah, blah. And the blah, blah, blah. And when we do that, sometimes that slows down the detoxification because of digestion and our body's not working as a team very well in that stage of the cycle. So 
with those hormonal shifts and changes, we naturally see other shifts and changes, like the shifts and changes totally taking over here. It's your, I'm interviewing you. It's um, it's okay. It's so good. This is good when we're talking about thrush. It's totally like changing how you feel. So your moods will change. Your energy levels will change. You'll start to feel more of a lull because you feel more of a, more of a lull. If you don't feel fully fulfilled in your life, you'll want to, to crave things to fill the hole of where you don't feel fulfilled. That might be like, holy fuck to some people, but that really happens. And then that's when we might overeat. And so it's a bit of a, like a ripple effect. If you have too much estrogen, you have very little progesterone. And then all of a sudden you're wearing damp swimmers in the garden like me. <laughs> and you're also munching on all the ice cream and the chocolate and the other sugars in breads and the sugars that are found in crappy styles of yogurt or the sugars that are found in your bloody curry sauce that you pre-buy so you can easily make a convenient curry. Like all of that mm-hmm. contributes. And so it's like, it's like, holy shit, that's a lot. Like how do, that's very overwhelming. How do we just simplify it? It's just, I always like to think, let's just bring it back to nature. Like how can we eat as close to nature as possible and then add in some convenient things here and there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so on point. And I think, I think the estrogen fluctuations, especially if somebody is more estrogen dominant, can affect the gut microbiome, vaginal microbiome as well. And then of course the whole detox process and then all of the changes that are going on, including trying to deal with the PMS, the inflammation that's happening in the body, the lowered immune response, the stress. It's like a cocktail for a yeast infection and BB too. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it really is. It's so important to be aware of this stuff. Like this is something that I wish that I knew. I wish we all knew about growing up because when we can learn how to nourish our body in this phase, this luteal phase between ovulation and menstruation can help to prevent yeast infections if you're getting them chronically. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think having the knowledge about how things change in your yoni. So we're talking like labia, vulva, vagina, cervix. When you understand those changes that happen at all those different stages of your cycle, you're like, oh, I'm actually in a little bit more awareness and control of my body because I know what's happening like when you hit that post seven days after ovulation, you know, your cervix is like, it's starting its journey. So your cervix is dropping down. So yes, your cervix moves, it's dropping down. And then, you know, two to four days before you start menstruating, your cervix is opening. And then as it's opening, we're releasing a cervical plug, a plug that actually stops, you know, sperm from entering the cervix. And when that happens, that's when we can get a little bit creamy. But if that, we also have a change in the state of our vagina whilst that's happening, of course, all of a sudden this might turn into like more chunky cottage cheese style discharge. And that's when we can sometimes get very confused between cervical mucus, which comes from the cervix and discharge, which comes from the vagina. And people are like, but aren't they the same thing? They're actually very different. The cervical mucus comes from the glands in the cervix and discharge comes from within the vagina. And if you think about, I'm going on a tangent. I hope this is okay. But if you think about like your skin, if your skin gets an infection, your skin produces this like pus or a scabby kind of thing, like a pimple, right? But there's nothing like yuck underneath the skin. So whilst your skin on the outside of your body can do that, the inner skin inside your vagina does the same thing 
So we go, okay, how does the vagina actually freaking do this? That's how. And so, yes, it changes its state because it's trying to care for itself. It's a self-care mm-hmm. cleaning thing. Um, mm-hmm. So if women were experiencing some of this in their inner autumn phase, what would your tips be pre-menstrual whilst as a nutritionist, your tips as a nutritionist, whilst you're like, I just want to eat five packets of chips and tacos and I want a burger with deep fried chips for dinner. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's really important first to, when you start to crave things, identify the cravings and trying to identify what specifically you're craving. Is it the salty, rich, crunchy, warming, meaty, you know, things? Or is it like um, sweet, cold, or sweet and hot? Like what are the things, the elements of the things that you're craving? Let's just say that as a word element. And when you can kind of identify that, of what your body is craving, you can kind of say, okay, what are some of like maybe healthier options, alternative options that I can use to kind of replicate that need for that, to satiate that craving rather than going for the deep fried chips and the bullshit, because that can make your yeast infections worse and like the whole thing worse. But your cravings also mean a lot of things. Like for example, When you're craving chocolate, particularly when you're in the PMS phase, that's a sign that your body wants magnesium. So, you know, when you can kind of understand what your cravings are telling you, if you're craving things like dairy and like cheese and ice cream, your body's craving calcium. So can you maybe supplement with something with some of those things, particularly in that phase? And really, like you said, getting back to nature, trying to eat as natural as possible. Instead of me going down to the corner store to get a thing of ice cream, I'm like, okay, I I want something sweet and rich and satisfying. I'm going to make some sweet potatoes instead, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Sweet potato brownies, yum. Mm, Sweet potato, anything, yum. (laughs) You know what I love to do? (gasps) I love to roast sweet potatoes with some cinnamon and salt and garlic. So make them like kind of, they're then kind of like sweet and salty. And then I eat them with almond butter. Oh my Ooh, I'm not, it's so insane. Cinnamon on sweet potato <laughs> is delicious. I do a pot veg meal with cinnamon and paprika and it's, yeah, it's up there. Um, oh, <sighs> almond butter. See, my thing that I love to do is I will get coconut oil and I'll add in some cacao powder, mix that up, and then I pop a layer in like a little silicon cup that I'll pop in the freezer, let it set, and then I put mm. a little layer of peanut butter or almond butter or tahini, and then I put another layer on top, and then I sprinkle in a little bit of coconut flakes, and they're small. They're like, what, an inch diameter-wise, and I'll make a few of those and I'll pop them in the freezer. I always like to have one, and then I come home, my partner's eating all the rest. Um, but they're like, hey, I'm eating something sweet for myself. It feels chocolatey. It still mm-hmm. is nourishing my body. It still has great quality of ingredients. And yes, it does have some healthy fats in it. And yes, it does have almond butter or peanut butter, which might not be as digestible for other people, but it's still something that fuels that craving. Not to mention you get to make it yourself. So you get to build up more saliva digestive enzymes, enjoy the process. And then when you go to eat it, you're actually more prepared to digest that food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's low sugar. The healthy fats are good, especially in that phase. 
Omega-3s are really good. I also made some salmon today. So I was like, really with the omega-3s and this and mm-hmm. the rich things. <laughs> but also like nourishing your body in the sense where you're doing a lot of self-care. You're slowing it down, like really preparing for your bleed and detox process and really like resting and making sure you're just trying to take it easy and not push it too hard during that phase to prepare yourself for menstruation. And if you are getting these yeast infections chronically in this luteal phase, over time, it just is a muscle that you need to, you know, train and practice. And it's a new lifestyle habit that you can do. And eventually over time, you might notice that your symptoms will improve and you won't get infections in that phase anymore. Mm. And all you can do is come to your own conclusions based on your own experience. So try it yourself. Um, yeah, this has been amazing. Oh my God, I'm loving all of these chats. We are pretty much out of time and we, you know, that you and I could just chat forever. Um, but <laughs> I'd love to ask your final podcast question, but before I do that, tell us, I already know this, but where can people find you? If this is the first episode they're listening to you on, how can they connect with you? Where do you hang out the most? I'm on Instagram. That's where my main community is. And it's at Yoni nutritionist, all one word. I also have TikTok and my website, yoninutritionist.com. Um, and I have a YouTube channel, which I don't go on very much. And what maybe if I can just say one more thing, the last thing that I would say is the only thing, if you're getting chronic thrush, whether it's vaginally, orally, nipples, anywhere, skin, the only thing that helped me get rid of it was by changing my diet and changing my lifestyle because no amount of medication will get to the root cause. It's sometimes we need the medication to treat the symptoms. Mm. And sometimes it's hard to treat them naturally, these yeast infections. But changing your diet for me is the only thing that worked. And it's the only thing that's working for my clients. And if you need help, you know where to find me. Call me. <laughs> Call me. I, I, lo- I love that you mentioned that as a wrap up because medicine is really supposed to treat in inverted brackets um, and heal, it doesn't actually prevent. And I think that prevention actually shifts and changes the entire habitual, you know, um, approach to health. And therefore that creates long change. And that's what a lot of people want. They want these changes forever. You know, when people have acne, like, how do I get rid of it now? But how do I keep it away forever? And you might, you know, put a cream on to fix it right now, but how do you prevent it from popping up all the time or in the future and so that it's those changes so make the changes these have been such beautiful tips you've given so many great insights into like how we can create really good change so thank you again for being here and giving us all the juicy juicy stuff final podcast question okay I've asked you this before I'm going to ask you the same question because you might have a different answer okay think back to that younger menstrual Adrienne, who's like getting ready to go through her menarche. What are the three things you wish you had have known then that you now know today? I wish that I would have learned more about the hormone changes in the menstrual cycle, because I swear to God, it doesn't matter how many people show me graphs (laughs) and written diagrams. And even when you were explaining it, I was trying to write it down in my own way. I still get confused. And I wish that we learned about this and had it drilled in our heads to learn how all of this stuff works because it's a, it's so interesting how the body works but also like how to nourish your body during that time and it's with both with foods and with your lifestyle because like 
you know, there's just so many things like most women and people, I feel like just most people in general nowadays are just go, 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 hustle, 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 hustle. And I wish we would have learned how to nourish our bodies during the different phases of our cycles and what that means. Mm. Um, and then the third one, I kind of wish there were more like birth control options other than hormones and IUDs. And, you know, for me, I also had an abortion a couple years ago and I don't, I, for me, going without any birth control gives me a lot of anxiety personally. And the only option I have that's non-hormonal is a copper IUD, which it's better than nothing, but I don't like it. <laughs> I wish there were more options. I love all of these points and the birth control options like, come, I need to teach you the natural fertility way yes. and be really confident. And I love what you shared about the hormones and knowing the hormones and it it is very overwhelming because there's so much going on. Like it's such complex stuff. I like to think that I explain it very simplistically, especially if we go through the whole thing, but don't get overwhelmed by it. Just learn one aspect and then come back and then learn another aspect and then come back and then learn and just keep applying and adding little things in. And, you know, eventually we all get there. You know, I was just like, how the fuck does this work? When I first learned about it. So I'm glad that you're here and then you're sharing all of your beautiful knowledge with us so that we can learn how other things work. And um, you're amazing. Thanks for taking the time to like share with our community. And yeah, thank you. Thank you for holding the space for me to share because this is so important. And I'm so happy to be on your podcast again. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.